And we are back on the chosen baseball journey with Jonathan A. Cohen and Kareem Garcia. Kareem, uh, did you get signed by the Dallas Cowboys after their uh, bouncing in the uh, playoffs? Are they looking for a new quarterback? Absolutely. I'm going for the QB now this year. We're going all the way. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We talk about baseball salaries and $20 million being a lot of money. You know, when you're an NFL quarterback, you're making $50 million in your sleep. Uh, every sport has its own budgets and, and, and monies and how they get diverted. But, man, if you're an NFL QB... You think about Pat Mahomes, right? Pat Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP again. And when he first came into the NFL, I thought to myself, you know, he made a big mistake. His dad was a big league pitcher. You have a longer career as a baseball player. He should have gone into baseball. Pat Mahomes proved me wrong. Absolutely. $450 million later, you know, I mean, he's, he's doing everything right. Three Super Bowls in six years. Unbelievable. And you know, by the time he retires, he's probably going to be worth close to a billion dollars. Absolutely. Probably more with the endorsements. So now, of course, in order to, you have to have talent, right? you got to play on the right team. It's nice if you get success, but you also got to have the right agent. So uh, I've never asked you this yet, Kareem. Uh, how did you go about picking your baseball agent during your baseball career? Well, at the beginning of my career, they uh, they told me, oh, this guy is a good agent, you know, when they signed me, Mike Brito. I didn't know anything about agents or anything like that. In Mexico, you don't use agents. You just go and talk to the owner or to the GM and do your contract in Mexico. But once you go to the States, it's a, a whole different ballgame because in the States, our, your contract is a little fine print in the, in the bottom you know, especially in a major league contract, it says I can send you to the minor leagues anytime that I want, at least three times during three years, which I didn't know. I thought you get, you make it to the major leagues, you stay in the major leagues, but no, that is not the case. And my first agent was a guy, uh, a Latin guy, uh, and he was learning too. As I was learning, he was learning with me. So I had to let him go and switch another agent that had more experience and helped me out through my career, especially in the minor leagues. When you don't make a lot of money and, and they can get you a couple deals here and there that you can sign and make a little extra money for you to survive. Was it Scott Boris that you picked? No, 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 I never had Scott Boris in, in my career. When, when you went about picking agents, did you find during your career that they were reaching out to you and telling you, Hey, I can help you out. Or did you speak to your teammates and ask them who they use as an agent? How did you go about picking your agent the second time around? Uh, usually, uh, as you're going up in the lateral in, in, in the minor leagues and you're moving, I wasn't a prospect. And then I became the number 10 prospect for the Dodgers. And then guys start coming up to me say, hey, my agent wants to meet you. Let's take you out to lunch. Let you get a free lunch today. I said, sure, why not? I'm like, free lunch. Who, who am I going to say no to, you know, let's go. So I take a free lunch here and there talking to guys. Once I got to AAA, you know, uh, my manager there say, hey, you know, my agent would like to talk to you. And, you know, he's a big time guy and listen to him, take a, take a meal, but really listen to him and what he brings to the plate. So I did. I did listen to him. I did sign with him. And, you know, I was a young guy. He got a lot of experienced guys in the major leagues. But they, I mean, it's always, always the guy that, that, that held me. 
Can you say the name of your agent? Uh, it was uh, the beginning was uh, Ron Shapiro, and then was uh, after that it was uh, Robert Barrett, Bobby Barrett. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember when I was talking to Steve Carsey about it, he was using Roger Clemens' agent at the time, uh, the Hendrix brothers. Okay. And it's funny, you know, different points in, you know, you look over different decades, certain agents, you know, were considered the big agents at the time. But the guy who's really transcended all of this has been Scott Boris. If you think about how many years now Scott Boris has been doing this. But uh, you and I were talking about this off air. And it's funny, folks, you know, when we're going to record this episode... This is our third try at it as far as schedule goes, internet <laughs> connections go. And it's probably a good thing that we didn't tape the second time around because if we had taped when we we're supposed to, we would not have been able to announce that Cody Bellinger is in fact signed. It was this big Scott Boris five, as they called them. You had Cody Bellinger, you had Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, Matt Chapman, and JD Martinez. So all these five are sitting out here. We're, spring training is well underway now. And yet nobody was signed. And then you'll, all of a sudden you, you find out, wait a minute, Cody Bellinger has signed. He went back to the Cubs at the end. But as you told me off the air, he didn't get the $200 million that he's expecting. Absolutely. You know, something went wrong on that, on that part, you know, waiting too long, maybe thinking that you can get a $200 million when the $160 million, you know, sounds pretty good for six years or eight years, whatever. You know, it's guaranteed money. You never leave money on the table. Again, he's gambling on his career, having a, a career year again. If he struggles this year, it's, it's, it's going to be trouble for him, you know, because he only has two years left on the contract, and he can opt out, like you mentioned, on the second year or the third year. So if he has a bad year, he's not opting out. And then you go to the third year, hoping that you're having a great year. You think about it, thirty million isn't too shabby. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Thirty million be good for your pay for your career, let alone one season. And you know, for those Yankees fans that are saying, "Why couldn't we get Bellinger for thirty million? Why can't we sign Blake Snell?" With their luxury tax, every dollar of the spending, they have to spend a dollar and a bit in tax money. So thirty million dollars salary is really sixty plus million dollars salary. That. Paying $60 million for Bellinger for one year, $60 million for Snell for one year, that's a lot of moolah. Yes, $120 million. So unless you get uh, rid of uh, Giancarlo Stanton and the contract, you know, you're not able to sign another top-name pitcher or hitter right now. And if you're going to trade Stanton, which I don't think they are, I think they're waiting for him to bounce back. And you're, you're going to sell for pennies on the dollar. If he had, let's say, $120 million left, I don't think anybody's picking up the $120 million. I think the Yankees would have to pick up at least half of that. And if you're already picking up half of it, you might as well just keep the full player because if he's on, he's 40 home runs in the bank. And this is where I'm thinking, you know, I really wanted to say this is a Scott Boris issue. I wanted to say, you know what, the teams are sending a message to Scott Boris. You know what, we're not going to sign your... your, your uh, your clients at big, big money, you know, the time is coming to an end. But on the other hand, I started thinking about the Carlos Rondon deal. I started thinking of the Darren Dreyfurts in this world, you know, Chris Davis. And where I'm starting to see this happen here, Kareem, is I think teams are saying, look, when you have the Shohei Otanis and the Aaron Judges of this world, they're going to get their money. And when you have guys that are going to get between the $10, 15000000 million mark, by all means. 
But when we look at the list of the Scott Boris five, they're good players. But I don't think any of us are looking at them and saying, this is guaranteed Hall of Famers. I don't think any of them are going to make the Hall of Fame. They're all very good to good players. But I don't think teams are willing to pay superstar crazy money, 200 million plus, for pretty good players anymore. I think now the line is in the sand. You're going to take our $15 million. You're going to take five years, 75, 90 million, and you're going to like it. And I think Scott Boris has a hard time with that because even though his players are good, very good, I think he wants them to get paid like superstars. But to me, superstars, you got to have Hall of Fame numbers. You got to have something to justify those big contracts. Oh, absolutely. And these guys, I mean, they have proven, you know, uh, Blake Snell has a great year. But again, you never know because, you know, as hard as he throws, he's, he's a ticking bomb. At any minute, he can get hurt. And goodbye, your 90, $120 million for four years. You know, Tommy John, it takes you at least 18 months, two years to come back. So you already lost half of the contract right there. So it's it's very difficult right now. And, and these guys are not getting any younger anytime soon, you know. So they're getting older. J.D. Martinez, too, you know, has great numbers, great career. But like you mentioned, they're not going to get the $40, $50 million guaranteed right now for a team, especially when spring training already started. We're already having games and these guys are still, you know, working out at the a complex. Matt Chapman, I, I living in Toronto, I've seen Matt Chapman now for three years. And I got to say, you know, gold glove defense, one of the best third baseman glove-wise. But after April, he didn't hit. He basically did not hit from May to September, if you look at the numbers. And for a guy that didn't hit most of the year, it's tough to justify for a team to say, okay, I'll pay him $30 million times five years. And I think that's where... You're going to see more of what they call these pillow contracts, which is what Cody, Be Cody Bellinger just got. They're saying, okay, get $30 million for one year. You can opt out if you want. If not, you're staying for the second year, another $30 million. And you can opt out. And if you stay in, then you're getting $20 million. Because you look at Cody Bellinger and you look at his career in totality, you have MVP years and you have years that he's basically average. Blake Snell, Cy Young, or very, very mm -hmm. average, you know? And Blake yeah. Snell likes to throw a lot of walks. You know, I can say for me, when I construct a team and I think about pitchers, I don't know about you as a manager, Kareem, but pitchers who throw a lot of walks drive me up the wall because I feel like they're not giving themselves a chance to succeed. Oh, absolutely. Especially at the major league level, you know, you're supposed to, uh, uh, you're supposed to be really accurate, you know, with the strike zone, you know, you can get wild a little bit, but that's, that's what you work on between outings with your uh, pitching coach. Try to get a little finer, better. And that's what you do during spring training, too. You know, that's what the long sessions, that's what you're working out with the catcher and working on, on your secondary pitch, which could be the slider or the change-up, stuff like that. And for me, Cody Bellinger signing right now with the Cubs, I've been working with him on hitting the sliders, middle inside for him, because that's all they try him all the time. You know, once he gets hooked into that, he's going to stroke out three, four times a game. For a lot of games, you know, I seen it with the Dodgers, and he he gets in a bad streak. It's all all they do to him, you know. Show him a fastball up and in, and then just throw him sliders, and he will chase. And Jordan Montgomery, a guy I love watching the pitch. I think he's a fantastic pitcher. If I was constructing a baseball team, I'd love to see him as my number three, my number four guy. And why I say that is because you don't always know what Montgomery you're getting. You know, it's this guy is very special in the playoffs. I understand that. Got to keep in mind, he's been traded a couple of times. 
very, very recently. Mm-hmm. So teams are not holding on to him. And there's a to me, there's a reason why. It's I look at in Toronto, I look at Chris Bassett, and I say Bassett's a great, great uh team guy. He's a steady pitcher. And to me, that's worth three million, three, sorry, three years, 75, 80 million. That's in in the prospects of what I'm looking at. That age, and and when you have like a 500 to a little over 500 pitcher, you know, the days where we're seeing Kareem guys getting 21, 22 wins. And, you know, 200 plus innings guaranteed, those are going by the wayside. You know, it's, I talked about, you know, when I went to uh, Cooperstown, I look at some of the pitching records. We're never going to see these records anymore. Now we're getting to the case where if you have a pitcher that can make 20 plus starts and pitch about six innings, that's a Cy Young pitcher. Uh, The measuring stick has changed a lot. And that's where I see Montgomery. And I think Montgomery also was hoping for close to 200 million. I think he's gonna have to take the Bellinger deal, and I think he'll be have to be happy if he gets it. Absolutely, I think I think he's gonna get probably a four year deal max. I don't see him getting more than that right now, especially you know teams already spend their, spend their money in in the other guys that are in the spring training right now working out. Some guys might have a little extra money, but you're not gonna be a contender either. You wanna be a contender and take less money, or you wanna be super rich, but just See the playoff at your home, you know, on TV. I feel like Boris is Scott Boris is sitting at home, he's watching the spring training games. The second he finds out about an injury, he finds out that the uh, Orioles lost starting pitcher Bradish, finds out that Cody Senga is out for the Mets, and we'll talk about that in a future week because I don't see that turning out very good for them either. And I'm sure he calls up the team right away and says, "I think you can use some pitching depth. I think Snell would be good for you. Montgomery would be good for you." That's the only reason to hold out because. I, I, Kareem, if they don't sign now at the start of spring training, by the time it's opening day, it's one-year deals. That's the only way it's going to go, and and that's unfortunate because for these players of their ilk, I think if they had signed earlier in the offseason, I think all of them could have got between two to four-year deals. Uh, yes, I, I think so too. But, you know, um, Black Snell, I think he can actually go with the Mets. You know, right now because uh, Senga is getting shut and it's going to be shut down for three weeks. So he might have a little opening right there with them. And you, we know that the, the Mets owner, Cohen, is not afraid to spend some money. He already did it last year, absolutely. So he might. He might just put up some money in there for a couple of years, three, four years. So one way to fix this Scott Boris, skit, fix this free agency dilemma Rob Manfred, you know, he's a person, he said now, this is his last term. He's going to be the uh, commissioner till 2029. He says, that's it, he's done. He's done a lot of changes in the game over the last few years, a ton of changes. And I see more changes coming, which we'll talk about next week. But the one change I wanted to run by you, Kareem, is the changing of the free agency period. And he says, I think we need to limit of when players can sign. That way they can be in spring training on time. We don't extort money out of teams. We don't hold out. I'm not I'm not opposed to this idea. Now, I think December is a very short deadline. I would say maybe we make it end of January. Do you think that this is a good thing for baseball, this idea with Manfred, as far as limiting when players can sign? Or do you see this being a slippery slope? <laughs> That's never going to happen with the Major League Baseball Players Association. All right? You put in a, a deadline on when you can sign or you cannot sign on a free agent. Everybody waits to be a free agent once at least in your career. And for you to put, you know, two, three weeks to do so 
it's not going to work with the Major League Baseball Players Association. I can guarantee you that. Well, if I'm players, okay, and I hear you on that, and I, the baseball does have one of the strongest unions, obviously you can see based on the salaries. Um, <laughs> when I'm thinking through now as a player, like I think of Lourdes Gorriel Jr., for example, and he got a pretty nice size contract from the Diamondbacks, and he signed pretty early in free agency. I think he's looking at these numbers now and he's thinking, pretty happy I signed early, you know, because a guy like him, you go from being, let's say four, I don't know, it's around four years, 50 million, let's say three years, 35, whatever it is. If you don't sign early enough, when teams spend their budgets, all of a sudden you're coming to spring training on a minor league deal, or you're coming in on a one-year deal, 5 million, 10 million. And I think a lot of these players that are saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking towards free agency. I think the rule now seems let's sign before Christmas. Let's sign before New Year's. I think this is the better way to go. Yeah, I mean, you, you get your Christmas presents as you sign. You get the big fat bonus for you and your family to buy the presents. And you buy, you know what? Your time to be relaxed with your family. Enjoy the time so you can go to spring training and actually work on the things that you need to work. You know, or the team is asking you to do different from the, the year before. Not going to spring training, trying to think, am I going to make the team? Uh, what's going to happen with me? They're going to let me go at the end. You know, because you never you never know what's going to happen. You can actually get injured. It's a lot of things that can happen during spring training that actually happens that is nothing that you control. You cannot control that. And I think it's very convenient for, for people to blame Scott Boris, but at the end of the day, you having been there in that position, I don't think he arbitrarily goes and denies contracts without checking with his clients. I'm pretty certain when you sign with Scott Boris, you know, you make a, a strategy and you know, you usually stick into the strategy, but I'm pretty sure if a team offers one of his clients money early on in free agency, he doesn't shut it down with at least calling his client and saying, Hey, we got an offer on the table, Cody Bellinger right now you can sign three years, 100 million. But we know we want six years, 200 million. I say, let's continue to hold out. What are your thoughts? I'm pretty sure that's the process, not the player saying, Scott, it's up to you, buddy. My phone's off for the offseason. Call me when the contract's ready. I don't think it works like that. In, in, uh, in reality, I would think that he actually shuts down a couple, a couple deals without telling their players. Like if it's a low-ball deal, he won't even mention it to the to the player unless he thinks it's something worthwhile talking about it. That's usually how it works. When when agents tells you, hey, you know what, I, I got off for, you know, six, 60 million over three years, you know, but I, I think it's a low ball for you. That's why I not even say anything. He, he actually, he takes that, but over a hundred million, three years, then you have to make a phone call. But again, you trust in a person that has interest in, 50, 80 guys are making $100, $200 million. He has nothing to lose. You are the one that actually have something to lose. Because, again, in baseball, you never know if you're going to be healthy the whole year or the whole contract. So you have to take whatever is guaranteed. So let me ask you this as we're summing up today's episode. Because if I'm, let's say, a top prospect in baseball, okay, and I'm, let's say, two, three years in the major leagues, and after this offseason, Scott Boris calls me up and says, hey, I'm really interested in you. I think we could do good work together. I think I'd be asking him, aren't you the guy that had the top five free agents that didn't sign into spring training 
One guy was supposed to get 200 million. Now he had to settle for these three years with the opt-outs. Uh, I think this is not, he's going to have to do a lot of explaining in this one because this is the off season. I don't think he's going to feel good about, unfortunately. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he can my send his, his plane and, and take you to a nice dinner or a golf course and try to, you know, show you the luxury that you can get once you get a contract. But you have to think about the long term, like you mentioned it. Right now, not a lot of teams are, you know, picking up the phone and saying, okay, Scott, whatever you say, I'm ready. Here's the money. Now they're actually stepping back a little bit and and let it play out, these this situations, especially with these four guys now. Cody has signed a contract because I'm sure he was desperate. And he wanted to come back to the Cubs. It obviously was a good fit. It rejuvenated his career. So it's the logical step, you know, at near the end in L.A., let's not forget, this was a guy... When he left the Dodgers, teams were not lining up to sign him. Like they were afraid to pay him ten million dollars. Let's 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 call it what it is. And exactly. obviously, it was a good fit for him. And I always advocate. You know, the grass always seems greener on the other side. But if if you have a good situation, it's going well with you with the coaches. You like the fans. You like the city, and you're playing well there. Stay there. There's no reason to move. Then, so I th- I agree. I think that that was a good fit for him, and. Uh, if I'm the other players now, I'm just thinking about this and I'm saying to myself, our team's not wanting to work with my agent. Uh, our, our team's blacklisting him. But I look, I think that any team that says they're not going to really work with Scott Boris, if they want the player and Scott's going to give them a contract they can afford, they're signing him at the end of the day. So I don't see this as a master collusion against him. I see it as something very simple. When you go to buy a car, a $20,000 car is $20,000. A $40,000 car is $40,000. A used car that's 10 plus years old, that's $5,000, <laughs> is a $5,000 car, and that's it. And Scott could be the greatest salesman that he can be, but you can't sell a $5,000 car for $20,000 in a discussion. <laughs> you are absolutely correct. You can't. Especially these guys, like I mentioned again, you know, they're a little bit older, and, you know, the, the seven to 10 year deals, they're not going to happen anymore. You're looking between three and six max. And that's with some clauses in there. And this is where, you know what, if I was a team that uh, wanted to uh, get some superstars, maybe I'm not signing them early in free agency. Maybe I'll say, you know what, I'll wait till everybody else spent all their money and then I'm going to get my bargains and then I'll get two players for the price of one. So there's a lot of uh, reasons why to hold out. And I think you're going to see by the time we're going to hit opening day, there's going to be some players that are on certain teams. Because remember, there's still the Joey Votto's out there. Brandon mm-hmm. Belt, there's still a lot of talent out there. And you're going to be picking up these guys for $1 million, $2 million, $3 million. It's going to be quite interesting, Kareem, I'm going to say, because everybody will end up get a job. But uh, like I was saying at the beginning, you know, you may have started off the offseason wanting $10 million. All of a sudden, now you're on a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, right? Yeah. But I mean, Joey, but I don't see him playing anywhere else but Cincinnati. He's going to end up trying to work at a deal for probably his last year of his career with them and retire, you know? I cannot see him anywhere else. I only thought Toronto because he's from Toronto originally. Mm-hmm. But when they went off and signed Justin Turner, they have Daniel Vogelbach on a, on a minor league deal. I think there's no more room anymore. And when you get enough of these guys in here, how many more of them can you start bringing in? So we shall see. Maybe Votto will end up back in Cincinnati. I, I do like the idea when somebody goes to the Hall of Fame, when they spent mm-hmm. their whole career with one team, you know, Robin Yount, Cal Ripken, 
It'd be nice if Vaughn could be up there with them. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll be back next week, folks, because we got one of my favorite topics. And this is the one that always blows up the internet. And I know Kareem's going to have his opinions. We're going to be talking about MLB expansion. See you back soon on the Chosen Baseball Journey.